The great outdoors is a place of enjoyment, peace, and solitude. But at times, the outdoors experience goes dark. Increasingly, outdoors lovers are encountering criminal elements, psychos, dangerous wildlife, and strange weather occurrences. Our goal is to raise awareness by equipping you with cutting-edge information and to shine light into the dark outdoors. Welcome to Dark Outdoors. This is Chester Moore. I am a wildlife journalist. I've made my entire career writing about wildlife, fishing, hunting, conservation in North America, as well as other parts of the planet. A few years back, I did a seminar about hog attacks, and someone asked me, Hey, Chester, what is the most dangerous thing in the great outdoors? They were expecting me to say a boar or a bear or a rattlesnake, but without blinking, I said, people, people are by far the most dangerous thing in the great outdoors. When I spoke those words, I became very inspired to investigate human related dangers in the great outdoors. And then just a couple of months later, a friend of mine calls me from Utah. He said, have you checked your text messages? I said, no, I've been working, haven't looked at it. He goes, well, check your dang text messages. And he sent me a picture that he had taken way, way off trail while bow hunting in the early season in a deep pocket of national forest in Utah. And it was an old tree carving. And it said, Ted Bundy. 1974. This sent chills down my spine because Ted Bundy is a name that really needs no introduction. He was one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. His reign of terror went from Washington through Utah, Colorado, into Florida, and who knows where else. Did he really carve this into a tree? Was this someone else mimicking him and trying to scare people? 1974 was the year he started his killings in Utah. It made me question whether this was the real thing, but it made me question something else. If I were out on a deep trail bow hunting in the early season and I ran into someone that maybe said, hey, I'm injured, can you help me out? Would I even think of them being someone as deranged and dangerous as Ted Bundy? And in the world of true crime, in the world of dark outdoors, there's probably no other person that has cast a bigger shadow than Ted Bundy. So in our debut episode, we talk with legendary author of Ted Bundy, Conversations with a Killer, Stephen Michaud. I've had this interview for some time, as early as I conceptualize this project, but I've been holding on to it for a while, and now's the time to release this. We're going to talk with the man who sat across from Ted Bundy for months and talk about his take on people like Ted Bundy and Ted Bundy in the dark outdoors. It's just it's just fascinating, you know, to 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 think about this is like a a specimen that had never been examined like this before, you know, obviously. Uh, you know, a kind of human being that most of us don't want to know exist, you know? You bet. You and, bet. I the song I sing still today is I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then. Well, that's uh, what kind of got me on this path of this dark outdoors thing of things that happen out there. And that's really what I want to talk with you about Bundy about. I mean, this guy yeah. escaped and he went out into a hunter's cabin in Colorado and 
there were bodies yeah. left in wooded areas and things like that. How often did uh, like hiking trails, parks, that kind of thing come into sort of his radar? Well, it was a it was a standard feature uh, of his known crimes and likely of his unknown crimes. I I uh, I can't think uh, of one of his crimes that did not involve him eventually taking his victim out mm-hmm. somewhere in the wilderness uh, to kill them and dispose of their bodies and also to go back and visit their dead bodies, mm-hmm. which he did um, uh, regularly. The only exception uh, that comes to mind immediately is that night at the Chi Omega sorority house in Tallahassee, Florida, where yeah. he went in to uh, the upstairs bedrooms had clubbed those two girls to death and left two other them, two others of them injured, and then went essentially across the street and assaulted another girl who was asleep in her apartment. But uh, that was, in his known cases, an aberration. Had uh, had scouted the wilderness for places that were suitable for what he wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, in the Northwest and also. Uh, around Salt Lake City and then later in Colorado um, and was had this all in mind as, as he was as he was hunting that there was you know, he needed he needed to be alone with the girls uh, he needed uh, he needed some time with them um, and so the outdoors uh, for Ted had a very specific uh, meaning. Before we get into Bundy's reign of terror in the dark outdoors, we're going to find out how this New York Times bestselling author got him to talk. Right after Bundy was convicted for the second time of uh, murder yep. in the state of Florida uh, and got his second worth, got his second, I'm sorry, second uh, death penalty. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed him uh, in the prison uh for the next intermittently for the next six months, uh, the longest six months of my life, I might add. I, I could imagine. Uh, I was intrigued by how you got him to flip by getting him to speak in third person. Well, you know, Chester, what was kind of strange about that whole thing was that um, the reason I was there that Bundy had contacted Hugh Ainsworth and me mm-hmm. and said that. Um, he, he wanted to finally uh, talk about the, the true story of, of what his life was all about because mm-hmm. he, he at that point was infamous as this alleged and convicted killer. And, but he said he had held back a whole lot, and he, and he was willing to come forth with it in exchange for a, a reexamination of all the cases against him, mm-hmm. which he confidently said, if, if it was done honestly, would prove that he was not what they said he was. And so leaving out all the details of this, the, Hugh and I said, okay, Stephen, you go, you go to the prison and interview Bundy and, and Ted, or I'm sorry, uh, and Hugh uh, head out to the West coast and start reinvestigating these cases. And that was how we did, we divvied up mm-hmm. the, um, the work. The, uh, the disadvantage I had that I had to work around was that, they were not going to let me into that prison to go interview uh, on a regular basis the most infamous serial killer of all time. Yeah. So I uh, 
I got myself a, a, a PI license in Texas, and I got an attorney whose name will remain uh, <laughs> uh, unknown, yeah. who walked me into the prison one day and introduced me as a private investigator working for Bundy's uh, uh, appeals attorneys. And uh, <clears throat> so that was how I, I'm one of the few people you'll ever meet who sneaked into a prison rather than sneaked out of one. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you can imagine how uh, anxiety uh, mm. producing this speed day after day when you're expecting them to come in and invite you to not just visit Ted, but come stay with him for a while. Yeah. Here, uh, here's your new roommate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there was that. And then the other part was that when Bundy started talking to me, despite, uh, you know, what he had promised that he would be, you know, come be forthcoming. Mm -hmm. He was giving me all of this uh, stuff that he thought was important because he thought it was going to be one of these celebrity bios, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, like he was an actor or something. And I finally, you know, after a few weeks, I said, well, Ted, this is not working. Uh, this is not the basis under which I came to see you. And more importantly, my publisher uh, is is willing to pull the plug unless you start talking. Mm -hmm. And uh, he kind of shrugged. Like you said, what, what do you think? I'm crazy. I'm going to confess to you. And uh, so I uh, I went back to my, my room in this crummy little motel uh, where the telephones in the room didn't have dials on them. So I, I give you kind of a picture of what my life was like. And uh, I, I was thinking about Ted late into the night, drink, eating, uh, eating uh, cheeseburgers and drinking scotch. And I said, you know, everybody's always said that Ted was, you know, so boyish. He's boyishly handsome and all the rest of it. And I said to myself, I think he really is boyish. I think that I'm dealing a guy who's he's late in his late twenties, but emotionally he's about twelve. So uh, with nothing else working, I went back to the prison the next day and I said, you know, Ted, we've got to figure out a way to talk. And I, <clears throat> it, it, it occurred to me that nobody knows more about these cases than you because you are a suspect or a defendant in them, mm -hmm. and you've had access to all of the evidence, uh, you know all about it, and nobody has more knowledge than do you. Um, secondly, uh, you have a degree in psychology, so you have a, you're trained in, in, in abnormal psychology. You bring a lot, of, of, uh, a lot to the game that way. And thirdly, you're, you're clearly articulate uh, and, um, and, <clears throat> and smart. So what, let's do it this way. Why don't you tell me what you think happened? Tell me the story of the guy who committed the crimes for which you have been accused or convicted. And <clears throat> he looked at me briefly and grabbed my tape recorder out of my hand. Now we're in this interview room in the middle of this prison, mm -hmm. 108 degrees out. And, uh, and he started talking. Uh, and like, and, I mean, it was as if I was, uh, I wasn't even in the room and wow. he closed his eyes and cradled the, re the tape recorder. And then, went off in this long thing about, you know, who knows where this kind of behavior starts. And, and, and <clears throat> eventually we got into the murder and, uh, that's how it went. The, 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 the final thing that was working against me is that 
I, at the time, had no idea what sociopathy or psychopathy mm-hmm. really is about. I, you know, you can say this is a sort of person who feels no guilt and no remorse for anything that he or she has done. But until you encounter a person like that, you don't know what you're, you, you know, not, you know, nothing. Yeah. And it took me, it took me quite a while to finally say, okay, Ted's not normal. <laughs> uh, I know I'm a little slow, but I, <laughs> I had to, I, I had to get that uh, before I could start trying to, you know, pull his chain a little bit. So, anyway, so that's the, that's the $5 tour of how I got Ted to talk. In increasing numbers, people across North America are going missing in the wild. Dark Outdoors is committed to shining light on this topic and raising awareness when public interest in these cases fades away. This episode's missing person is Kylie Rodney. Last seen August 6, 2022, between 1230 and 1 a.m. in Truckee, California at the Prosser Family Campground. Kylie is 16 years old, 5 feet 7 inches tall, has blonde hair and hazel eyes, and weighs 118 pounds. She was driving a silver 2013 Honda CRV, California license plate 8YU, California license 8YUR127. Authorities have received more than 900 tips related to her disappearance from a campground party near the Tahoe National Forest in the Truckee, California area. There's a $50,000 reward for any information that leads to her being found. You can call Anonymous, 530-581-6320, option 7. That's 530-581-6320, option 7. Right before the episode's release, the Dark Outdoors team found that officials are now considering this very high potential for an abduction case. So this is a very important case. If anyone has any information on Kylie Rodney's disappearance, please contact officials. And if you forget the phone number, you can go to findkylie.com. That's findkielycom This is Chester Moore. And if you love horror, you need to go to Texas Frightmare Weekend. Texas Frightmare Weekend is a Southwest premier horror convention and film festival. Now entering its 17th year, the event will now take place May 26th to 28th, 2023 at the Irving Convention Center in Toyota Music Factory. Texas Frightmare Weekend is proud to announce the return of John Carpenter, legendary director of Halloween, The Thing, The Fog, Escape from New York, They Live, and many more. Tickets and info are available now at TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. That's TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. Now, you obviously mentioned something about his boyish charm or boyish yeah. looks. That's something that's frequently mentioned when you talk about Ted Bundy. And sure. uh, we can look at pictures now, like some of the famous shots in the courthouse where he looks all twisted. But that's with hindsight and knowledge that we have. Uh, right. Someone seeing this guy on a hiking trail, um, maybe saying, hey, I'm injured. Can you come help me? You know, yeah. most people would probably have empathy for that. Well, that was uh, that was critical to Ted's Ted's success is that he he could present himself very credibly um, with props. He would he would, for instance, uh, on college campuses would uh, uh, put his arm in a sling and maybe have a, a, a set of uh, crutches and and three or four books and 
be kind of uh, trying to deal with his books and is you know, looking helpless, you know, in, in the evening uh, crossing the campus. And of course, um, an unsuspecting co-ed might come up and say, well, this guy is not dangerous. He can barely walk. Uh, and he would say, will you help me to my car? And uh, they would, and that was the last anybody saw of them. Uh, so he, it was a very, very uh, common ruse on his part, in his way he lured a lot of, a lot of women to their deaths. Uh, the, you, you can see him uh, employing exactly the same ruse on a, on a hiking trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can also, uh, the other thing to think about is that he, you know, he, he would, he would abduct a girl, a woman, and then take her out into uh, areas, uh, hiking areas that he knew very well, uh, because he wanted to be alone with them and he knew how he wanted to dispose of them. And it was not something he was going to be able to do in the parking lot of a Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another part of it. Um, interestingly enough, uh, the, it, it appears that if any of his victims would be victims ever escaped him, it probably was in those settings, those kind of outdoor settings where he had, you know, may have incapacitated her and she regained consciousness and ran away screaming and, and, and got away. Now, the way I know that is that he made a, a passing mention of it to an FBI agent in one of their conversations. Mm-hmm. A lot of women have come forth with telling stories about having survived a Bundy uh, encounter. Unfortunately, they're impossible to double check. Um, so, uh, the other the other thing about about Ted and Ted as an exemplar of of He's essentially another apex predator, uh, like a bear or a mountain lion or something like that. And and he, uh, when he was hunting, he liked to hunt in areas where he knew, all, you know, where every where everything was. There were going to be no surprises. Mm-hmm. So he would familiarize himself. It's clear he was very familiar with these these outdoor settings um, because. He did not, you know, he was not going to do something that, you know, somebody walked in his room or something like that. So he was very familiar with the outdoors. And um, and, and that's where uh, that's where a lot of his victims uh, ended up. And you mentioned him scouting out locations and then going back with the bodies and those uh-huh. kind of things. So he had I'm going to take her maybe at point A, but we're going to take her to point B. And correct. And we're going to go there. I've already scouted this location out. I've already checked it out. I feel safe. I feel comfortable doing what I'm going to do here. That's kind of what's going on in, in, in his mind. Now, let's say someone that, were to roll up on a Ted Bundy type, if there is a type like Ted Bundy, someone who is well, willing to do those kind of things. Uh, let's say yeah. you – What do you think he would have ran if someone saw him you know, hurting someone or he would have retaliated? Well, Ted, no. Ted, I mean, one of the, the myths about Ted Bundy was that he was a rough and tough guy. He was yeah. basically a I mean, his specialty was hitting girls over the back of the head, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, uh, um, the, let me see if I can, how, how to do this. The, it's, I don't 
think that there, well, from what is known, from what Ted told me about himself, and from what is uh, what is available from the forensic evidence at the burial sites and a lot of other things, mm-hmm. is that Ted would ingratiate himself with a girl, with a woman, perhaps uh, walking across the campus, perhaps in a bar, perhaps in any place, uh, and get her into his car. Uh, And as soon as he could get her into his car, he would incapacitate her, Mm -hmm. uh, usually with a tire iron that he kept hidden behind the right rear wheel of his Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. And he would walk her to the car and say, open the door for her, the passenger side, and before she could notice there was no seat there, uh, she'd been clubbed over the head and then sometimes handcuffed. And then, and then went, then would come the drive out into the, the mountains or the hills or stuff like that mm-hmm. where Ted, because uh, Ted, Ted was a ne- necrophiliac among other things. Uh, and so there, there, there really wasn't there. I don't have any advice for anybody who's dealing with something like that, except that just because somebody appears to be incapacitated or to be uh, um, helpless or, or, or trustworthy or trusting or, you know, don't believe it. Uh, yeah. You know, there, uh, I mean, because Ted was not very big. He was a kind of a skinny guy. Yeah. Uh, very personable. And, you know, and this was also a time in our history in the 1970s when uh, girls would hitchhike by themselves all the time. It mm-hmm. was just done. Um, and so he took, Ted could take advantage of that kind of lack of, of, of care, I guess, lack of, of, of fear maybe. Um, but back to the, the, the point of the wilderness is that, um, the, I think that, that the, in terms of dealing with, with a Ted type of, of hunter, mm-hmm. uh, is, essentially the same thing that you would reserve for other guys that call them apex predators. I mean, you don't, <clears throat> you see a bear coming at you, you don't try to talk him out of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you don't travel in unfamiliar places all by yourself. Um, and you know, you know that people know that we're, you know, say you're going kayaking or something, you know, you know, you tell them this is where we're going into the river and this is where we're coming out. Uh, and you know, and if you don't hear from me in four or five hours, call, you know, call the Rangers. Yep. But if you're in, if you're, if you're in a recreation area, um, know where the Rangers are. Mm-hmm. Don't go somewhere where your cell phone doesn't work unless, you know, unless you're really, really familiar with that part of the world. Uh, because you are, you know, you're more vulnerable and I'm, I have to say this, and I'm talking now almost exclusively about women and girls. Sure. Uh, the uh, you know, Ted did not hunt guys. Nope. So, uh, the there's danger in the woods. Uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy them. Uh, I, I I like the woods too, but uh, you got to take you have to take into account that there are there are individuals out there maybe not behind every tree, but they are out there and you should do your best to minimize the advantage they have uh, if they encounter you. Pray, prepare, and pack heat. It's time for some dark outdoors defense strategies and techniques. 
Growing up watching horror movies, there's always some slasher chasing someone through the woods and someone gets to their car and they back up and they end up backing up in a mud puddle and getting stuck. That actually made me think of something I started doing years ago. Strategic parking. I had one particular location that I frequented that was a dead end in a deep tract of public land. And if I just drove down there and parked at the dead end and didn't think about it, I would have to do all kinds of crazy backing up to get out of there in an emergency situation. And that would take lots of time. I might get stuck, which I did get stuck there before. All kind of bad things could happen. So a simple thing you can do when you go into the great outdoors is park the direction that you need to retreat. You know, if you go into a certain area, you know you're going to have to back up and do all kind of crazy maneuvering to get out of the location. Please go ahead and do that before you go into the woods. Another thing under the category of strategic parking is park in a spot you can see from at least 50 yards away. That might be impossible to do in deep woods or mountainous country, but if you can, you need at least 50 yards that you can see your vehicle as you approach. If you do this, you could possibly save yourself from being ambushed. You could glass the spot, look, approach slowly, and there's someone around your vehicle. You can at least identify them or see that someone is there and you're not surprised before you arrive. This may seem a little bit paranoid, but if you've been listening to this program about what Ted Bundy did in the great outdoors, it doesn't seem paranoid at all. Consider strategic parking when you're in the great outdoors. Dark Outdoors Defense is brought to you by Hog Hunt USA, an app created to help control the hog population by helping more people kill more hogs more often. They're doing this by building a network of outfitters and landowners to provide excellent hunting opportunities at a big discount. I totally dig that. The hunts begin in January, but starting in October, you can log in to upload pictures of your hog hunts for a chance to win a night vision scope gift certificate for a hunting rifle and other hog hunting gear we'll be reporting about this here on dark outdoors and other media platforms don't forget hog hunt usa it's going to be a game changer in the hunting world now we're going to wrap up our conversation about ted bundy and the dark outdoors with stephen michaud you know what? You hit most of my points that I recommend to people about going in the woods. The idea of using <laughs> it's, I'm like, God, I'm not the only one, uh, you know, have a, a game plan. Tell people when you're going to arrive, where you're going, um, when, uh -huh. you're, when you're going to be back. Um, we also recommend carrying a transponder if you don't have cell signal, uh, which, yeah. you know, though yeah. I, ca I carry one called a spot X. Um, and the thing is, there's a lot, we have a lot of women that listen to what we do. And a lot of women are out there hiking with their own and going in groups and things like this. And when you mention Bundy, people know the kind of what we're talking about, the level of, of yep. darkness there. And my hope is that it won't make them scared, but it'll make people think enough to go, if you have a gut feeling about someone you encounter, listen to your gut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely correct. And that would be the same, the same advice. I would give uh, a woman sitting uh, reading a book in a library yep. uh, and someone uh, bopping down a, a hiking trail. Yep. Same thing. Yep. Um, except that the circumstances out in the, the, the wilderness uh, are likely 
to uh, to be more favorable to the hunter than to the hunted. Um, so you should be extra careful and and respect the fact that as awful as it sounds, but there are people out there who want to kill you. And so uh, I tell you what, we appreciate your your great insight on this. You've been very helpful. Thank you very much. Great, uh, Chester. I've enjoyed talking to you, and have a have a great balance of the week. This is Chester Moore, editor in chief of Texas Fishing Game, the oldest and largest outdoor magazine in Texas, and its sister website, fishgame.com. Between these two award-winning outlets, we cover everything outdoors in Texas and beyond. While we provide you with plenty of hook and bullet how-to information, we have committed to our resources to bringing you the most comprehensive coverage of wildlife, habitat, and environmental issues that we can. You can get this award-winning coverage by subscribing to the Texas Fishing Game Print Edition, six issues a year, by calling 800-725-1134. That's 800-725-1134 or going online to fishgame.com. You can also sign up for our three times per week e-newsletter to stay current on everything affecting fishing, hunting, camping, shooting, and enjoying the glorious great outdoors. We hope you've enjoyed the program. If you would like a special PDF of our dark outdoor survival tips, email chester at chestermore.com. That's chester at chestermore.com. Connect with our blog at darkoutdoors.com and also see exclusive video content. Remember, before you enter the great outdoors, pray, prepare, and pack heat.